Hello, Albion Obsessed listeners and viewers. Welcome to the Albion Obsessed podcast. Today, we come to you on the back of our fifth straight defeat against the mighty Liverpool. We're going to chat a lot today about the things that happened in the game, some things that we'd like to see changing going forward, and a few other talking points that have come from the game and from social media afterwards. But as ever, before we dive into our match analysis, let's see who we've got to chat to today. First of all, hello, Joe. How are you, my friend? Hello, Thomas. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I met your dad today. Lovely guy. So if you're watching, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Phil. Big Phil. Phil. Hi, Phil. Nice to meet you. Um, But yeah, um, footballing wise, no. Footballing wise, no. I love it. Uh, But at least you got to meet uh, Senor Budgin. Big up, Big Phil. Hi, Dad. Um, Curtis, courtesy, courtesy, Curtis. It's so good to see you back, my friend. How are you? I'm, I'm grand. I didn't get to meet your dad today, so I'm quite sad about that. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing all right. You know, um, I'm glad to be back. It's been a little while since I've done a full pod, so I look forward to joining you today on a on a Brighton win. Sorry, it wasn't a win, was it? No. Um, so we get to talk about uh, the game today. That'll be fun. <laughs> Uh, too true, Curtis, too true. There's not any controversial talking points whatsoever. And talking of controversial talking points, hello, Aaron. Aaron, my friend, how are you? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you, Tom. How are you, mate? I- I'm doing really good, buddy. I'm doing really good. good. Um, I say really good. Um, we've just lost. But I will say this. I, I talk about it's our fifth straight defeat in a row. Um, but honestly, boys, did any of you expect to beat Liverpool, Joe, were you expecting anything from the game beforehand? Uh, no, no, I wasn't. Um, but to be honest, you know, we go to any Premier League game these days and anything can happen. We've beaten every single club that sits in the Premier League at the moment. So we, we can beat them. Um, whether you expect to beat them is another thing. Um, and yeah, I just went with low expectations and I'm glad I did because... We didn't get anything out of the game. So, yeah, lose, lose. <laughs> Curtis, a lot of fans uh, consider these games against the big six, big, big six sides, especially the likes of City and Liverpool, a bit of a, a free hit. Uh, do you see it that way? Or do you, as Joe, think that every game is an opportunity to get some points? So is that saying that the last five games have all been free hits? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, it's not... <sighs> Listen... It was always going to be a really tough game today. But like Joe said, like we have the capabilities to go to these places and put on a great performance and win because we've done these things. Um, it's disappointing. You know, we, we, yeah, it's just disappointing. Ultimately, I don't know what to say. Yeah. yeah. Um, five defeats on the bounce. Now, that's a statistic um, that not even Sammy Hoopier managed uh, to get. And it's the first time we've seen it happen since I think the stat being abandoned around is 2007. So we're talking about a long time here. Um, Aaron, there's a lot of uh, things that don't seem to be ticking at the Albion at the moment. Uh, One of the other stats I've got for you, mate, 14 home games this season, 10 goals. What seems to be the problem with Brighton at home? I don't really think it's just, it's been a problem since we come up to the Premier Premier League. We don't score enough goals. It, it's not. It's it's not a sort of a rocket scientist could figure it out. And it's really not hard. If if you don't score goals, you don't win games. If you don't win games, you you 
you know you, you're going to struggle to to stay up or to finish higher than sort of 14 15 like we're lucky it, lucky where our away form was better than this year then if not then we would we would definitely be bottom three without a shadow of a doubt um but yeah it again it's just uh just need to find a goal scorer it's, it's really not hard and you know goals goals win games it's as simple as that. It's the hardest job in football to score goals, and it seems to be be the fact is we haven't scored a goal since the 18th of January at the Amex. That's a, a long time, a long time. If, if you think about it, really, it's you know, in the fixtures we've had at home, you expect us to, you know, in theory, we yeah, we should beat Burnley, we should give Villa a game, but we got battered by Burnley, we got battered by Villa, we got battered by Liverpool, and you know. You look at the Norwich game on the uh, on the second of April. Wouldn't surprise in the slightest if we lose that game. Would not surprise in the slightest. Um, and obviously we've got Tottenham on Wednesday night. Um, and can I, I can't even really see us scoring. To be fair, I didn't really think we looked like scoring again today. I think we had one opportunity which Trossard smashed it halfway to Worthing. Um, but it would have been disallowed anyway because it's handball, so it doesn't really ma- it, it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But there was the Welbeck chance as well towards the end. Uh, to be fair, that save was unreal from Madison. Jesus, that was a hell of a save. But then even even then, like yeah, it just didn't really look right scoring in my opinion. Again, yeah, it's um, you're right. I think the main issue has been for a long time. Uh, in front of goal, and we've we've said it to death on the podcast about needing uh, a clinical striker. Obviously, that costs, costs big bucks, uh, potentially. Um, obviously, we look forward to the summer having some loanies return to us. Um, but it does start to look a bit short-sighted when the problem persists year in, year out, and it's not particularly addressed. Um Another stat um, that isn't a particularly nice stat to hear or to read is that we've scored one goal from a set piece in 450 minutes of football. Um, now, if this was a you know once in a blue moon sort of occurrence, that would be um, that would be one thing. But we were speaking about this earlier in the season after the Leeds game when uh, the fans were booing. Uh, at the end of that game, we talked about. I came on this podcast as a guest and I talked about how you know the stats. You know, it's no wonder fans are frustrated. And as Aaron says, it does make you think, where is the next goal coming from? So, boys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pose you this question now and then we'll come back to it at the end of the pod, a bit like we did uh, in the last episode. So my question to you is, what needs to change moving forward? And then when we start chatting about um, the the Spurs game at the end of this episode, um, we'll come back to that question and we'll just unpick it a little bit and see what we can come up with. But let's dive into the game at hand, which is the Liverpool defeat that we've just witnessed. Um, Joe, it was really, really bright start from Brighton. They came out of the traps and they looked like the better team. Um, There were some early chances, half chances created. um, A lovely bit of skill from McAllister. Um, So you were at the game. First 15 minutes, what was the atmosphere like at the ground? Yeah, great. Um, it's the, that age-old thing where before we play a team like Liverpool, everyone's saying, oh, yeah, but we we play well against these teams and um, everyone's reminiscing about the Burnley game gone and the, the Villa game and saying how bad they were and obviously that we improved a little bit at Newcastle, but it wasn't quite there. 
Um, but then uh, first 15 minutes, as you say, really, really positive stuff. I thought, okay, we could be on for a really good game here. Um, and then wh- what happens, happens. You know, the Sanchez incident and and the the ball rolls towards the goal and, and no one's there to clear it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we could, we could have had a foothold in that game if that freak thing doesn't happen. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating because it looked like we, we were going okay. Um, and then... Again, I don't know what the mix-up was, why Sanchez has come in and, and clattered the, the guy and the, completely out of position, no no defenders back to clear it. It's just another frustrating goal to concede because um, I, I feel like it could have easily been avoided. Yeah, it was very reminiscent of the Aston Villa goal, wasn't it, Curtis? A long ball over the top, we get beaten for pace and you know what happens, happens, as Joe says. What was your view on it? Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I saw it coming a mile off. Like, we, we're just not, we're not great at defending um, counter-attacks. You know, we just can't seem to do anything about them. And I saw uh, Diaz, right? That's Diaz, wasn't it? Yeah, I saw him running with it and I was like, oh, this is, this is going to go in either way. Um, and then that situation happened with the keeper, obviously. Um, and I think... Uh, Sanchez is starting to get a little sloppy again recently, and it's starting to get a bit concerning. Um, but that's another conversation. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, it just—I just saw that goal just just coming from a mile off. Not much to say about it. Yeah, we do seem very to be very susceptible to the counter attack yeah. at the moment. It's definitely something that I think our opponents um, have recognised. Um, and we've been hit with it in the last couple of games. Now, Aaron, I'm just talking about Joe's point. Now, you as yourself, you're a goalkeeper. Um, there's a discussion to be had about whether um, maybe Sanchez shouldn't have come for the ball. Maybe he should have stayed on his line, um, given the defender's time to get back. Maybe coming out made Diaz's mind up for him. Now, as I say, you're a goalkeeper. What's your view on you know staying on line or coming out? I mean, if you make the decision, you've got to make sure you get there to start with. But one thing I noticed, he stuttered before he was coming out. He, he stopped and started. And that that's the reason for <clears throat> for the collision. Um, I don't think... I honestly really can't really say it's really his fault. Every, I think every goalkeeper goes through times where you're not, you're not making the smartest decisions. And I think that was one of those, one of those moments, I think, in my personal opinion, that He's decided to come for it, and he he's just sort of, as I said, hesitated, and that's cost him cost him that goal. Because if he do, if he doesn't start, he doesn't if he doesn't stutter like I just did, um, then he gets that ball like easy, like he. But obviously, when he stopped start, he just yeah, cost him that, and obviously, then the ball just trickles over the line. Yeah, definitely one of Sanchez's major strengths um, is the ability to claim high balls. And perhaps that, you know, that stutter, as you say, Aaron, is the difference. Now, obviously, the situation itself is that uh, Diaz gets ahead to it um, and then gets immediately absolutely clattered um, by uh, Big Bob Sanchez. A lot of discussions about whether it should have been a sending off. so it is a, a, a you know contention we've had our we've said our pieces on our um, on the group chat um now I'll come to you first Joe in your opinion was it 
a cardable offence or is it just one of those things where Big Bob is, he's come for the ball and where else is he supposed to go? Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, I just think it's one of those things where there's going to be debate about it constantly. Um, it's never going to be something that everyone agrees on at all um, because you, there's so many takes of it. There's so many angles, um, so many opinions flying about that make you question your own. Um, to be honest, I don't think it was a red card. Um, but then I think, would I be claiming for it if it was the other end? But then if I watched the replay back, maybe not. I don't know. It's it's so soon after the game. I, I, I've not seen any replays at all. I'm coming completely fresh from the game. Everything in my memory, everything that I say is from my eyes only. Um, and when it happened, I didn't think, oh, he's in trouble. I only thought he was in trouble when the when VAR were looking at it because of how picky they are. And I thought, okay, yeah, th- this, this could be really bad. Um, but if I'm going off of my initial thoughts, I, I wasn't afraid that he was going to get sent off. So, yeah, that, that's my view on it. Yeah, that's fair enough, mate. I think the problem with replays is that they slow everything down. And when it's in slow motion, it just looks so much worse. Um, again, Aaron, you're a goalkeeper, mate. Um, you know, these things happen. It's a contact sport. Um in your opinion, were you surprised that Sanchez didn't get any card at all, be it a yellow or a red, or is it just one of those things that's a footballing incident? Yeah, it's just a football incident. If that's a red card, the game the, it's just ridiculous. That's not a red. That's not a red card for me. I I need to pick my words very carefully because for me that is not a red card, and I can tell you for why. One, where else can he go? He's making himself big. He's trying to challenge for the ball. What's he going to do? Just, just stand there and just let Diaz get there. He has to do. He has to make himself big because he knows Diaz is going to get there first. So as a keeper, you instantly make yourself as big as you possibly can if he's going to take it first time. Unfortunately for Diaz, he's absolutely clattered, been clattered into. But I just watching it live. I was like, no, nah, that's not a record. Never a record. And I was getting bombarded with messages after messages like, how's he on the pitch? Straight red. That's almost as a physical assault. I might, it's really not. I, was like, I had the best seat in the house. And I, I was like, never in any, till the VAR thing came up on the screen, did I ever think, oh, he's in trouble. Oh, this is a red card. Never. Because he, all he's doing is coming out. I've done that before. I've done that three or four times. And granted, I'm not playing playing with VAR, but if I got sent off for that, I'd be raging as a keeper. Absolutely raging, because there's n- nothing else you can do. So, obviously, the only thing you can do is not hesitate. But if you do, you do, and you've just got to try and make yourself as big as you possibly can, and that's what Sanchez has done. But like, it really, really pisses me off with him, like, seeing on Twitter and everywhere, oh, it's a straight red, oh, it's this, It's almost he's almost chopped his head off, and no, he hasn't. It's like, yeah, watch the replays. It looks it, it looks horrendous. Like, and you said, replays make everything 10 times worse. Like, they always have them. And I just don't understand. I, I know people have got their obviously own opinion and stuff, but I just don't get it. It's like, have you, have you played the game before? Like, that's not a red card. And it's really, really pisses me off when I see stuff like on Twitter. Obviously, everyone's got an opinion. I have my own opinion. 
but Christ, as I, it's not, it's not a red card. It wasn't given as a red card. If Diaz got the ball and took it round Sanchez, then got clattered. Fair enough. Penalty, red card, done. I would not have any complaints about that. But the fact is, you want to, you want to score and then also get a player sent off. It's just absolutely stupid in my book. Because you, 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 the advantage is you just scored. That That's your advantage. Your advantage is from that instant you've just scored a goal. Fine. That That's it. Like when Van Dyke, I remember Van Dyke coming up and was like, oh, you know, have a look at it, have a look at it. I was like, well, why is he going to have a look at it? You know, you've literally just scored. It's not like it's gone for a goal kick. And then when it came up on the big screen, I said to my dad, I was like, how can you get sent off for that? Like, how? Like, I'm probably going to get pelted, but I'm not really too fussed because I, it's not a red card. It's just not a red card. End of story. That is it. People think it's a red card. Fair enough. It's your own opinion. But you're wrong. <laughs> I don't I don't even think you will get pelted, though, Aaron, because as I say, when, when I was watching it live, I had exactly the same thoughts as you. At not one point did I think, yeah, Sanchez is in real big trouble here. I just thought, oh... Um, he's a little bit late to the ball, so he's not been able to clear it, which has resulted in the goal. So I was more pissed off about that. I wasn't looking at that. And I also made an observation just quickly, Tom, um, on Twitter after the game where the BT um, pundits, uh, thank you, um, were saying, oh, it could have been really bad. He could have been really badly injured. Isn't that the same for any challenge? Exactly. Across the whole of the pitch, in every single game, in every single minute of then, whatever level you're playing, you, you look at the Any studio and who, who, who they had in. It's fucking Liverpool everywhere. Liverpool, this fucking no one cares. Literally, the game is done. Liverpool are going to win this game anyway. Doesn't matter if we play the, the world class. We're always going to struggle today. The game is done. Should it have been a red card? No. Game is done. Is it a talking point? Yes, but don't fucking nitpick it every little bit. Watch replay after replay after replay after replay. Oh, you know, Peter Walton, oh, that should have been a red card. He's clueless. He ain't got a fucking clue what he's on about 90% of the time. So no wonder why he thinks it's a red card. You've got fucking McManaman and fucking Crouch. Oh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Fucking if that's Peter Crouch, that just that hits him in the chest, the lanky fucker. You've got McManaman who can barely speak English. Like, what is this fucking about? Honest to God. The rage is real. You're right. You're right. It's hardly a um it's hardly a neutral punditry um lineup, is it, when you've got two former Liverpool players. Um I don't want to dwell on the point too much because I feel like we're gonna get into rage inducing uh, territory here. Um there was another talking point I was gonna mention about it. Oh, it was just the leg. That's the only thing for me that I was a bit questionable. But for what it's worth, Big Phil, Big Phil Budgeon also uh, said that it, it wasn't a red. Go um, on, Phil. Go on. And if Big Phil Budgeon says it ain't a red, that's good enough in my books. Um, but what I will say, Curtis, and I'm going to po- pose this question to you. Yeah. If that had happened anywhere else on the pitch, would it have been a red? It's hard to say really hard to, I mean like to be, to be honest with you I'm not someone who's ever played football right I, I'm not I'm not a physical boy right I'm gonna be brutally honest with you right 
I played rugby. That's what I did as a kid. Well, actually, to be fair, then I would know about physical sports, right? And sometimes these things just happen, right? And there's not anything you can really do about it. You just got to get up and carry on. But like, I agree with what Aaron said in the sense of, like, it happened and, you know, the decision was made. And then that's all we heard about for the remainder of the fucking game. And I was like, yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, it happened. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, what I'm saying to my brother, because we were watching it together and he's just a neutral, he doesn't care about Brighton whatsoever. Shame on him, is what I say. But um, he said that if the goal didn't go in, he thinks it would have been a red. And, and then I was like, well, yeah, there's a possibility of that. But I, I didn't think, you know, I was, I agree with what Aaron said. Like, what more could he have done in that situation? You know, he was just doing his thing. He was just making himself big and everything. So I, if it was maybe somewhere else in the pitch, I could potentially see it. But I think it's a different thing, different thing. Thing yeah, for me is it doesn't happen anywhere else on the pitch. It happens because he's a goalkeeper. Um, no, no other player is go- jumping up that high to claim a ball with their hands. Um, so yeah, I, I can't quite get that comparison. But I, I mean, I guess it could happen with a, like a header. Yeah, it's not the hands; it's the leg because it's well, yeah, the knee was in and around the. Well, chest. I don't think any any outfield player jumps that high. Um, Dan Burn could. Well, okay, yeah, but fair just enough. had to get the, uh, <laughs> the Dan Burn reference in for this episode. Yeah, just make Aaron more angry. Don't mention his name. <laughs> we oh, don't talk I about know. Dan Burn. No, no. You made him drop his microphone now. Well done. <laughs> um, I, I don't want to prolong the point. Um, so we are going to swiftly move on from that, and we're going to talk instead about a man called Adam Lalana. Um, so half time comes, we go one, we're one nil down at half time. For me, I still think that there's a possibility we could get something out of the game. I thought that Liverpool did start to dominate the rest of the half after they scored, and we looked a bit sort of a bit frightened to attack. The you know, we stopped going forward as, as well as we had done in that first 15 minutes. Um, and I was really um, quite happy to see Lalana come on at half time. But Joe, it's a shame that the uh, cameo for Lalana only lasted uh, five minutes. Um, there's no doubt that Adam Lalana is a quality player. In fact, he might be the most, the best player we've had since Vicente. But do you think that? Do you think that we should extend his contract in the summer, or we shall we just uh, move him on? <sighs> Uh, it's a really tough one. Um, I was so delighted when Adam Lalama joined our football club, and I was, I felt like we were very privileged to have a player of his caliber um, play for us. Uh, but is there a reason that only Brighton came for him? Maybe other teams knew of his physical situation a little bit more and how injury prone he was and didn't want to take that chance. And we did fine last season. I have to say um, there were some games where his class outshone everything. Um, and as you say, it, debatable, but he is in in terms of class and what he's won and what he's done in the game up there with Vicente um, for sure. Um Maybe even higher because he's won a Premier League, he's won a Champions League. Um, I don't know what Vicente won. I, I'm not an, an expert on La Liga, I have, I have to say. Um, in terms of extending his contract, 
Oh, as I say, it's really tough. I I don't think we should. I I don't think so. For for I I've been weighing up the options because I, obviously I knew you was going to bring this up um today. I've been weighing up the options for the last couple of hours. Um, thinking, yeah, but what does he bring in the dressing room? Um, is is it worth it just for that? Is it worth the wages? No doubt he's on very high wages. Um, I know he did take a pay cut to be at Brighton, but he's still probably the highest paid player at the club. I don't know the financial situations. That's just my guess. Um, but I don't think we do. I think we need to freshen up this squad big time in the summer. Um, and we need some hungry, young uh, players with that little bit of experience. If if you came to me and said, Danny Welbeck or Adam Lalana, I might get shot down for this, but this is my opinion. Danny Welbeck or Adam Lalana, I'd take Danny Welbeck. Honestly. I would. Fair choice. Uh, Curtis, um, just picking up on that, um, I've got another hypothetical for you. Would you keep Adam Lalana on in a more coaching capacity and maybe give him the odd game? Um, yeah, I don't know, you know, because uh, I to echo something that Joe was saying about, you know, his voice in the changing room uh, uh, and being sort of like the co-captain, you know, alongside Dunk. Um, I think he brings, I think he brings a lot in that facet, you know. Um, but I don't know if it would be worth paying those sorts of wages for him just to come on sort of when he's fit and when he feels like it. Uh, I love the man, you know, I love him. I think he's fantastic. And when he's on, like, when he's on it, like in a game, he, he's just so good. And he's like really great in that midfield area. Um, but saying that, I think if we're going to do that comparison that Joe just did, if we were to say Welbeck or Lalana, I think I would go Lalana over Welbeck, if I'm brutally honest. Um, just, there's no particular reason for it. I just would probably go with Lalana more so over Welbeck. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one myself. I think he oozes class when he's not fit when he when he is fit. Sorry, um, and I think I read an article about how he is the loudest um, player. You um, can always hear him um, usually. Uh, yeah, on, on the and TV I think he's well. the loudest player at training as well. I think I heard one of the other players say, um, and I think he's just really good for the young lads. He always, you know, again from the reports up at Liverpool down here as well always introduces himself to the young lads, always wants to kind of like help with their development, which is why I pose the question about having him in more of a coaching role, uh, perhaps. But there's no doubt, Joe, that you're, you're 100% right. We need to freshen up the squad. I uh, think if you if you offered me that, if you said coaching role, then absolutely. I'm not doubting anything that Adam Lalana brings to a, the dressing room or bring, can bring to a squad, because I think footballing-wise, his intelligence is unbelievable. So put him in a coaching role, um, even like the the Andrew Cross role that he's doing with the under-23s. I just don't think his body is going to allow him to play Premier League football again. If he wasn't as injury-prone, I would be 100% saying um, Adam Lalana over Danny Welbeck. But I just feel like Danny Welbeck's got a couple more years on Adam Lalana. That's my only reason for choosing Danny Welbeck. Um, if Adam Lalana's two years younger, I'd choose Lalana all day long. Yeah, I think also um, striker is a position we don't have many depth in, um, which also adds uh, credence to your point, Joe. Um, so 
then as the the game wears on, um, we give away a penalty. Um, but before the penalty, Bissouma is booked uh, for descent over a free kick, which I don't know what it looked like to you guys in the ground. Uh, Aaron, to, to us, well, to me, it didn't look like it was a free kick at all. It looked like Basuma won the ball cleanly and started on the counter. What was your view on it? Yeah, he did. That's probably uh, the only thing I would have said Mike Dean done wrong with the whole game, in my opinion. I actually thought he'd done okay. I don't know why everyone's saying, you know, losing their losing their head over the, uh, Mike Dean's performance. Um, yeah, but Basuma, uh, I think it's, it might be Mane or uh, Kate, so one of the two puts his head down and Basuma's foot just gets there before him. It's, it's not a foul. It's not a foul. It's just, it's just not. You know, where else is? You put your head down as as a player towards the ground where the ball is. You're expecting the foot to come out your face. You know, it's not like the ball was, you know, up high or anything like that. So yeah, that, that for me, I Mike Dean's performance was fine in my opinion. Apart from there was a couple of decisions, but nothing, nothing that changed the game. His performance did not change the outcome at all. And it was a Stonewall penny. I watched the highlights. It was like, you can't be hand up there. Stupid. Um, yeah, I, I had a discussion with some people on um, on Twitter about that who were moaning about the penalty. And I yeah, brought I up... Detecting <laughs> his face. I was like, no. I was like, that is a penalty. I was like, his hand is like up here. I was like... Protect... Regard, was like... Regardless of protecting your face, your arm shouldn't be like up here, basically. Like, it, it, it was a penalty, but it must have been Stonewall because no one was complaining about it. So like obviously the opposite end from from where me and Joe sit, so I, I couldn't really see. Um, but due to the lack of complaints, it must have been Stonewall. And when you know Salah's not going to miss a penalty, let's be honest. I knew he was going to smash it down the middle as well. Just had that feeling. And uh, yeah, he was actually reasonably quiet today. I thought Salah. He had a couple of chances, but nothing, nothing major. I didn't even think Liverpool played that well, in my opinion. I thought they were sort of bang average really Diaz was the only one who really done anything that's been the that. case for, that's been the case for a couple of games we've had recently like, yeah. they've not played particularly well but we've just been quite subpar ourselves yeah. so. so it was just, just frustrating like yeah it was like Liverpool weren't great but you know City are a bit the better team in my opinion and I hope City win the league yeah um, I think the, uh, the penalty, I don't think I know how you can argue with that. If anything, I think we were lucky that Biz stayed on the pitch because it um, recalled a memory of Glenn Murray doing something very similar against Sheffield Wednesday back in the Championship where he got sent off for it. Yeah, so I, I think, think that one was, it was more on the line, though. That's when Murray was on the line, if I remember rightly, and blocked it with his face. Hmm. So yeah. that's a straight red off the bat. But other, like, if you, you got a second booking for that, that would have been very harsh. That would have been Mike Dean being Mike Dean. And then just wanted to send him off because he could. Like that's it's not it's not a booking. It's not even like yeah, it's not even a booking, let alone a, a second one. Fair dues. I think um, I think I do think Graham Potter made the right choice, Joe, uh, bringing Basuma off um, midway through that half. Now, Joe Basuma has had a lot of criticism um, from fans over the last couple of months, really, since returning from Afcon. Um, do you think that criticism is warranted? Uh yes, because he just looked like he just looks gone. But the, the Basuma that we knew last season, or even the, the the season before lockdown football happened, is just nowhere to be seen. There is no Basuma dancing with the fans. There is no um, 
you know, we don't we we barely even sing the Basuma song anymore because the the fans know his head is completely out the door. It's gone. And I tweeted yesterday, I think, um, that if he really wants that big move to a Champions League football club, that we all know that he can play at that level, he needs to start showing that. That there there is no Champions League football club that will look at Basuma's performances towards the end of this season and go, yeah, we want him at our football club because they will know for a fact that the next time he wants to move on to to, to the next best thing in in his mind, he's not going to play for you. The mentality is ridiculous. Um, today he was a little bit better than he has been. I will give him that, but the mentality has been nothing short of disgraceful from him. Um, when you put on my football club shirt, I expect you to give 100%. He's given barely 10. He gave maybe 40% today. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, and to be fair to him, I was in front of the, the guy that he gave his shirt to somebody at half time. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. But he looked like he was thinking about that about six times over. Maybe thinking, oh, I don't really want to do that. And then stopped as if to say, oh, yeah, go on then. That there is none of, you know, what I loved about Basuma was that connection between the fans. It's gone. And I would hate for this to end in such a toxic way because if he carries on like it towards the end of the season, people will be wanting to drive him out of the football club. They will be offering to, to take him wherever he wants to go, to the nearest airport. Because, yeah, as I say, it's nothing short of disgraceful. And um, I, I hope for his sake that he can recoup that. Yeah, me too. I mean, we talk about performances. If you think back to the Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge, Basuma was the best player on the pitch. Um, and if Basuma wants, as you say, Joe, that move to that Champions League level football club, he needs to start putting in the work ethic and, you know, the work that we see, we've see we seen before. Um, if you want to see players who want to move on but are still giving it 110%, look at Elliot Bennett in the uh, League One promotion season. Look at Dale Stevens. You know, when Burnley came in for him, these players still kept their performances at a high level and, uh, you know, and the, the fans loved them for it. Um, but, yeah, it's a real shame to see that sort of lack of interaction with the fans. But to me, I don't think his performances have been particularly worse off than anyone else. Um, Curtis, it's been a very lacklustre five games. I think even the Watford game, to some degree, wasn't brilliant we i talked about the at the start of the show what needs to change um within this club to sort of not just get us back to winning ways but almost to get the players to you know to start looking a bit more up for it well we just seem to be missing that fire you know we, we used to have a lot of like we'd come out of the gates and we'd just be raring to go and 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 just now, it, I I don't know I don't know what happened. It just it felt like an overnight thing, you know. Like it it doesn't feel like we're playing to the last minute anymore, or even trying to get that. Just I I actually I miss the ninety five minute goals. I miss them. Like I I would I would take a couple of them right now, you know. Um, that that Brighton doesn't feel like this Brighton now. I I don't know what what's happened. And to go back to talk about Basuma actually. Uh, I don't think he had a particularly terrible game today. I I, I think there were there was some uh, errant passing and things like that as usual. But like the whole squad were were pretty bad to be honest at, at moments. 
uh, but he's not doing a great job of putting himself in the shop window. You know, I, I just think that he's, if he want, like you said, if he wants to move on, he's going to have to start, you know, kicking it up a gear essentially. Um, but a lot does need to change with the squad. I, I, I think we just need to bring in some, like Joe said earlier, some hungry youth that that really want to play for the badge and go out there and just, just do it. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't really argue with that. Um Aaron, um we've come we've you know we've def- been defeated by Liverpool, which I suppose to many wouldn't be a particularly great surprise. We go back to that fifth defeat in a row, lack of scoring. Do you think that our top ten aspirations are fundamentally over? Oh god yeah. Oh yeah, we're we're not getting top ten. Nah. Nah, it's just not gonna happen. I think even to be honest, even when we were in the top ten, I was still pretty. Uh, I wasn't particularly confident we will finish in the top ten anyway, because we we don't do things the easy way. Um, and I say I say it again, we'll probably end up finishing thirteenth, fourteenth, maybe fifteenth, just because we haven't got a goal scorer. And I think the concerning thing is for me during the last sort of three months, not even just the last five games, we're not creating chances. It's not even like if we had, you know, if we had Ronaldo, we had Messi or Mbappe. It doesn't really matter because we wouldn't be, you know, we, they just wouldn't score because you can't not give them the service. And and that's also a fundamental thing is if you're not making the runs or making the passes to, to set up the goals, how the hell do you expect them to score them? Um, but when we have the chances, you need to take them. And ultimately, we haven't been doing that. And one no. massive thing I'll say is, is I thought Morpe was quality today. His work effort was unreal. Like the mo- When he clattered Allison, I was absolutely loved that because he was running. He was the only one really running. And then you can see it happening a mile off. As soon as Allison got the ball, I was like, he's just going to go straight through him here. Um, and it, he's the only one who really showed any sort of fight or any sort of sort of oomph to, to their performance. I, I don't think we... I, would say I also want to put Solly March in that bracket uh, as well. Yeah, I thought I was, he was, was brilliant. About, yeah. uh, uh, patience, young man. Patience. Um, I was going to... I was about to about to say, you know, you know, Solly, Solly done what Solly does well. He, he actually looked to take on players and not do what he loves to do is twist and turn, twist and turn, twist and turn, twist and turn, lose the ball. And he was actually getting the ball, running the players, and then making a decision either to cross or then play it back or, you know, play the simple pass. Um, I thought Trossard was dreadful, actually, I have to admit. I, I, I'm in the, the bracket of him that cash in where we can at the, at the moment because he, he, he's, he's not a striker. He's not. Although we were playing 4 3 3 today. What, what what looked like a four three three. He even when he was out on the out on the wing, he still didn't look very, very good. He didn't really look like he was affecting the game a great deal. So after sort of the first ten minute spell, anyway, he just went missing. And with, with players like that, he needs to be the spark. He needs to he needs to be the spark. Him and Basuma both do. And I think Basuma, Basuma wanted to go in January. I, I stand by that. And I think he's pissed off he never got the move. Or 
he's agreed or they've agreed that they're going to sell him in the summer and he just doesn't really care if he's been agreed with another club or you know a deal was in place that come first of july he will not be a brighton player and you can you can saying there's something not quite right i can't put my finger on what it is but they're saying yeah just not adding up with, with the whole pursuma situation it it was it wasn't a great performance, but then again, you have to look at who we're playing against, and they they are they are, they are a very good team, and they are probably in just chilling in second gear, really. Like if if they wanted to, they could have absolutely taken us to the cleanest today, like without, without a doubt, doubt. like yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. Like Salah had a Salah had a couple of good chances, uh, Mane scuffed a couple, and it was like you know. If that's Liverpool when they're on top form, that's in the back of the net. You're five nil down at half time, and it, it's it's not looking not not a pretty sight. But you know, I think we need this three week break we've got coming up. We need this massively. It'll get Webster back, but you know, which which will help, and it hopefully just refresh some players and just get their heads right. Because I think that's that's something that's more concerning to me is not the not the results. It's just the lack of effort. It's just yeah, the lack of effort. And, and effort and effort isn't something you you work towards. It's something you should just naturally have as a professional footballer. You know, you want to win for your team. You, you don't work at training at giving giving hundred percent effort. That that comes from the person, not not the manager, not. You know, not Tony Bloom, not Paul Barber. It comes from the player themselves. If you're just going out there to take it as a Saturday afternoon kickabout, then get the fuck out of this club because you're not, you're, that's not what you're here for. You're here to put on the blue and white stripes that we all wish we could do and give 110% to the point you actually want to be sick. You've worked so hard for 90 minutes. And the two players that really did today were March and uh, Morpé. Other than that, no one did. Even Lamptey, to a certain degree, I thought Lamptey done okay. It was one of his he, best. He struggled. Today. I thought he struggled a bit. I thought okay. I thought he done okay. I thought he was one of his better performances in recent weeks. Just for the just for the sake, he was actually getting up the pitch, getting back as well defensively. He looked okay. Um, yeah, in that facet, yeah, his defensive work was quite good today. Yeah. But it's, it's difficult when you're playing up against Andy Robertson, who's one of the world's best left-backs, who's got alongside him Van Dijk, one of the world's best centre-backs, to help him cover. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for him. And I thought he'd done okay. But obviously, man for man, you looked when I looked at that, saw that Liverpool team, it was, well, it's, you know, we've not got hope in hell. And, you know, to keep it under... To keep it under Sort of forward, I would have been pleased with, and luckily it was only two. So you know, we we take that. Yeah, it's. I think you you did mention about like those chances, and I think we've said it on this podcast before. Last season, we were guilty of creating chances after chance after chance and not putting them away. But we just, as of late, we haven't created any chances. Our first shot on target today, I believe, was eighty eight minutes, or at least that was the first time that Allison had to make a save. Against Villa, it was something like the 79th minute. And this isn't like the Brighton of last season where we were just creating chances for fun um, and then not scoring them, which was deeply frustrating. 
but this season well at least recently we just seem to be going backwards um and I'll probably get slated for saying that. Um, and also, I think it's worth mentioning about the whole top 10 aspiration things. I think the only reason we were in the top 10 to start the first, uh, the start of the season was because of the fact that Leicester and Everton were just doing so badly. Any other season, we'd be, you know, upper top, uh, upper bottom half, if you like. But, you know, that's the only reason we were in the top 10. And as I've said it before, I'll come back to it again. But I think our league position for a lot, a lot, a long time this season has deflected valid criticism and critique of some of the performances that we've seen uh the, the the lack of activity in the transfer window for the here and now um but i don't want to dwell on that because we've well we've spoken about that before um so let's look ahead then um to the game on wednesday tottenham hotspur now if ever there is a team that could turn up and be well beaten or turn up and be utterly awful is Spurs. Joe, what changes would you make, if any, uh, for the Spurs game? Uh, to be honest, I don't think I make any changes. Um, I thought the performance in the first... This sounds ridiculous me saying it because football's a 90-minute game, uh, but the performance in the first 15 was, was decent and the reason that we got pegged back was because we're playing against Liverpool um, and they are a world-class team, as Aaron pointed out. Virgil van Dijk, Andy Robertson, Mo Salah. Um, I, I could list that whole team, you know. Um, and as you say about Spurs, obviously they have got world-class players as well. Uh, maybe not as many as Liverpool, but um, their consistency sometimes is a joke. Um, we we saw it against Leeds. They turned up and scored five goals. I think it was five. Um and yeah, but that is, that is against Leeds. So that's Leeds. well, yeah, yeah. But they, they, Leeds haven't got Leeds haven't got a defence. They just but, got two but we, we, we we scored zero goals against Leeds. Um, yeah, to, to be fair, I don't know how we didn't. I, I don't know how we didn't <laughs> score two any goals against Leeds because they were bloody awful. Yeah, like, they just they can't they generally can't defend, but we can't finish. So that's the reason why. I think a strong breeze could score a goal against Leeds, and we <laughs> couldn't. So you, know. <laughs> you watch us I'm sure lose at Ellen Road. Sure, we could put me and Toby up top, and we'll probably score a couple. To be fair, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> two goalkeepers, so lovely. Uh, but then again, I've played two outfield games and scored two goals, so I'm 100 record, mate. Me, prolific, prolific. Like sign him up, really... Brighton. Sign him up. <laughs> I, am, um, I am the white Hesky. Just to point that out. <laughs> fair play. Um, what was my point? What was I talking about? You're talking Spurs. about Spurs, and if yeah. we make any changes. Um, no, wouldn't make any changes. Um, I feel like if we start the way we did against Liverpool, we'll, we'll get Spurs rattled. Um, I think they're quite an easy team to to get on the back foot quite early on. Um, and if you do that, hopefully, you know, it seems ridiculous me being so optimistic and saying hopefully we can play really well for the first 15 minutes and score a goal, which we haven't done for 3,000 minutes or however bloody long it is now. Um, but you just have to keep believing because the performances, as I say, are getting better. I know the results aren't going the way we want them to. I sound like Graham Potter now. The performance, it, it was there in moments of the game against a team as good as Liverpool. So I feel like if we just keep on that trajectory and just keep believing in what we can do, then the, the result will come. Um we're all we're all a bit deflated. Yeah, we've lost five games on the bounce. The last game we won was obviously Watford. 
um, when Adam Webster was in the side. We ha- it's funny that we haven't won a game since Adam Webster got injured. Um, quite telling. He's our most important player. He is. He is because the, I said this to my dad in in, in the um, line for the the park and ride after the game. The reason that the shift in performance is because one, the mentality's gone for some reason, as as we've pointed out, and I've said it on multiple podcasts in in the last few weeks. The system that we're playing doesn't work. Kukurea and Lamptey are pushed far too too much back they're too scared to go forward because the moment they do you've then got Joel Veltman and Lewis Dunk trying to deal with counter-attacks they're both not blessed with amazing pace they're okay but they're, they're not rapid um and we're playing four at the back it's it's not working we sold Dan Byrne we didn't replace him I this seems ridiculous that I have to keep coming back to this we, we didn't replace him Adam Webster got injured suddenly Two centre-backs, gone. Shane Duffy, for me, isn't good enough, as we've mentioned before. Why we're not playing Roberts, I don't know. But He, was, he wasn't now... even benched today, which was weird. No, me. exactly. And we're, we're now down to two centre-backs that we can kind of trust. But you can't really trust them to play in the back two because look at what happens. The ball's over the top. Teams, teams have looked at that and gone, OK, Brighton have got Webster injured. They've sold Dan Byrne. They're not playing Roberts and Duffy is slow as anything. If they play Duffy, sod it, we can do that. If they play two at the back, we can do that. Um, and that's how we keep getting undone. Um, I can't remember what my initial point was, but that's the reason um, that we're not getting the performances and we're not getting the creativity because... The system's changed. We we play. I'm sure we played five at, uh, or three at the back against Chelsea, and I think that was our last really good performance. If I'm honest, um, yeah, yeah, I agree. So that, and it's. I'm going to use Aaron's catchphrase here. It's not rocket science um, to work that out. Um, <laughs> what what was that, Aaron? You're muted. I said, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, um, yeah. Lamptey, uh, again, he, yeah, exactly. Joe does not approve. Um, Lamptey did o- okay today, um, but it, it's it's the same reason that I point out that he's playing in a back four um, and he's, I think, a bit scared to go forward because he knows that he's going to be having to sprint back to stop the counter-attack. So, yeah. yeah. And West, I mean, we saw what a back four against Spurs look like in the cup and uh, you know son's gonna have a field day um if we set up like this um against spurs on wednesday curtis um do you what do you think for spurs do you stick or do you twist i'd like some changes but where like where's the where where's it coming from like who who what what's going to be di- what's different like i i can't imagine potter just randomly going okay I've got something now, guys. Check this crazy. You're right, Aaron. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, but I just, I don't know. I think it's probably the safer option just to stick with the the, the squad and. But but please just try something different at the back. I mean, I I'm just so tired of it now. I'm so tired of seeing the same ball come in and the same goal happening. You know, just 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 change that, please. Please, Potter, if you're watching, because I know you do, just change it up. Please, Graham, please. 
please put another centre back on the pitch. You, you listen, you can, you can stop emailing us. You can come on the pod. All right, just just change it. All right. Yeah, come on, Graham. Don't be so needy. Um, yeah, I just want to see another central defender, guys. That's all I want. Please, for the love of God. Ed turns. Bring on Ed turns. Hayden Roberts. One of them. Just put them in a back three. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, it comes back to my point about, uh, I think I said it last podcast. Why are they on the bench if they're not ready to play a Premier League game? What, what, what are you going to do? If, if Dunk gets injured and then Veltman gets injured, suddenly you've got to bring on Ed Turns and Hayden Roberts in a back two. That's going to kill them. That's going to be um, scary. Exactly. Um, so why not put one of them along the, uh, alongside Lewis Dunk, who has incredible Premier League um, experience, and Joel Veltman, who's played in the Champions League? There is no two better people to learn from. Exactly. And as we say, it looks like the top 10 is slowly disappearing, especially with uh, the upturned form of Newcastle and Villa. It, the chances of us finishing in the top 10 are remote um, Aaron, are there any changes that you would make for the Spurs game? Would you include your most favourite ever player, Pascal Gross? I would rather have Tom McGill play centre midfield than Pascal Gross. Um, so, answer that question is no. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think you make any changes, to be honest. I, I think the team itself is actually pretty good when it came out. I think it's the best, best 11 you could probably pick. Um, you know, Tottenham has just gone 1-0 down um, at the moment. Uh, Ronaldo just scored an absolute worldie, hence for the reaction you just saw there. Um, but no, I don't think you make changes. I, I think it, it, you keep the, the same uh, the same 11. I wouldn't be surprised if there are changes, to be honest. It wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, there'll be one, um, you know, there, there probably will be at least one or two wouldn't surprise me if Lamptey doesn't play or gets puts onto the bench just because for, for fitness reasons and Duffy comes in at centre half and Vertum goes to right back, etc. Um and then if, if that happens then we just got no hope in hell. Um because you know like Joe's pointed out, I think Duffy's done now. I think he, he I think everyone at the start of the season was, you know, oh, you know, big Shane Duffy's back, you know, yeah, buzzing, like, you know, he, he started the season off really well and then he just plummeted off a edge of a cliff and that's coincided because we sold Sam Burns. <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. The you guy know, who's it, had bloody amazing games at Newcastle since he's gone as well. He's been outstanding. Yeah, he's outstanding. been their best player and I keep getting reminded of that and it, it, it upsets me. Um, you know, I swear I say this every week. If you if you sell your best, most in the form player and don't replace him, you're going to look worse off. Duff Dunk just returning from injury. Webster gets injured. Duffy's not on form. You know what? Where are you going to? Who are you going to play? Like who are you going to play? You have to play Roberts. Probably rather play yeah, Roberts over turns. Sorry, rather <laughs> rather play Roberts over turns. Because I think Ed Turns hasn't, you know, had the match day experience in a total sense in the Premier League. Being being involved around the squad, going to these sort of grounds where Roberts has he's played in the League Cup. He he's played very well in the League Cup. To be fair, he's he's good centre off. Even on the twenty threes, 
against Everton on Friday night, he looked good. But I think, yeah, come Wednesday, you know, it just have to really wait and see. You know, ask me at half six when the team's announced and hopefully Tottenham get lots of injuries today and they have to play the youngsters and that'd be great. That yeah, so by the be... way, I don't know who spread this rumour about all these players being injured for Liverpool, but you're a bloody liar. I heard this before the game. It was like, oh, Van Dijk wasn't in training. He's not going to be playing. I was like, oh, okay then. Liars. Yep. Agreed. I saw those uh, rumours as well and I was thinking, oh, that sounds good. Um, but yeah, I would. Uh, I echo that. I would like to see some changes against Spurs. Um, I would like to see some of the youngsters given a go. It's worth remembering that Aaron Connolly received his first start against Spurs up front, and look what happened there. Oh, um, like look what happened there. Well, to be fair, we did win that game. He did score two goals. Yeah, he did score two goals. That's. What I mean, yeah, that, that wasn't. A, it wasn't a dig at uh, dig at Connolly that time, and you know. It's what happens when you give youngsters opportunities. They they, they take them and my work work out. It's because um, they're really hungry. You know, they they uh, they finally uh, got the opportunity and they want to go for it. So exactly, that's the thing. You got the hunger. You got the you know the want to impress, and that's where I think you know we have got uh, Sacramento to come back. He's he's you know he looked really good on Friday. Yeah, that run was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I look you forward know. to having him back because. Yeah. He looks like a player that is not afraid to, with the ball at his feet to just run at defenders. Yeah. And that is terrifying as a defender when you've just got someone who's not afraid to just run at you. And we, we haven't got, we, we've, we haven't had anyone since that since knockout. Like we we haven't, and that's what the fans love to see. You know, someone who can run at pace as well. At pace, at defenders, who's got some got a bit about him. And when he's played, he's looked good. You know, you know. It was just such a shame that he got injured at West Ham because you know everyone was buzzing for him to have his get his Premier League debut, and then within the first what ten minutes he obviously tears his hamstring. And it's like, oh, mate, of course I can't catch a break. So I'm hoping if he's been training all the last couple of weeks, he's in the squad for Wednesday. Put him on for the last twenty, depending on how things are, because you know you got the likes of Eric Dyer and. Uh, Joe Rodon at the back, they're going to be shit scared of someone with a bit of pace. Like, it's just, again, it's not rocket science. You put someone with pace, you make them, you make them drive at the players because they're scared of them. You're scared of quick... Defenders are always scared of quick players, if, especially if they're not quick themselves. Like, you look at Van Dyke. Van Dyke glides across the pitch. He's rapid. But if you flip side to... Say Diaz on uh, like Veltnam, you know, you're a little bit like if you're Diaz, just, just run at him, just run at him because he'll panic and start stepping back, stepping back, stepping back. And then there's a point where he's going to have to go to the ball and you just knock it around him. It, it, it's yeah, it's amazing to think that Brighton almost signed Van Dyke in another lifetime. Maybe we would have done, um, but, but anyway, but I'm spent, glad. But, but but we spent the money on Craig McCall Smith. There you go. So but I'm, uh, that's I'm, where glad we spent our money. You, I'm glad you brought up a certain Sir Anthony Knockhart because this brings me nicely into a little segue um, about some of the uh, the chat 
going on on Brighton Twitter. Now, of course, I know where you're going with this. I know where you're going with this. Now, we of course know that Brighton Twitter is not representative of uh, the fan base as a whole, but it's amazing how in one season we've seen the chat go from lofty European ambitions to, oh, do you remember the championship? Oh, wasn't the championship good? Oh, well, if we get relegated, the championship will be nice. Now, Joe, I know that this has made you quite cross. Say your piece, brother. So, um, yeah, I saw somebody, I'm not going to name them because I, I feel that's unfair. Um, I saw somebody tweet. That bloody oh, Trossard season again, isn't it? Oh, bloody Trossard You season. beat me to it. You literally beat me to it there. Yeah. Um, you've lost my train of thought now. Um, anger, so yeah. anger and rage, anger and rage. So, uh, yeah, I saw someone tweet, Oh, is, is it is it bad of me? Um, that I, I miss the championship and League One. Um, yes, yes, it is because I want my football club to be, you know, uh, challenging at the highest level possible. Um, I I'm so proud. I've said this before on podcasts. I'm so proud of our roots. I'm so proud of where we've come from. I'm so proud that 11 years ago or 12, however many it was, 11, I think, we were a League One football club. Now we're a Premier League football club who at the start of the season were talking about European aspirations. Why Why would you want to take a backward step into back into the championship and then have the... Um, risk of getting relegated then again to league one you see what that does to clubs financially you see that what what that done to sunderland how financially ruined they are you see what it done to portsmouth granted they didn't spend their money very well and and did it to themselves really um but what why would you want to become a club that were once in the top flight but aren't really spoken about anymore or i don't care about us being spoken about don't get me wrong all i care about is my football club and challenging at the highest possible level. So I get the sentiment. I get that those days were great. I get that we we would have a, a season of, oh, will we get promoted to the Premier League again? But that, for me, lives in the, the highest memory for, for me as a Brighton fan was that day against Wigan, getting promoted to the Premier League, thinking... My God, we've finally done it. After all this year, these years of talking about it, Tony Bloom's vision, it's becoming true. Tony Bloom set out another vision of wanting to be a top 10, maybe even a European football club one day. Why don't fans want to take that on? Maybe it's because the club aren't showing enough ambition in the, in the transfer windows. Maybe that we've got this long game that we're trying to play and fans are getting just a little bit too impatient for it. Um, We've lost five games on the bounce in the Premier League. I get that. Everyone's going to be disappointed with that. I'm disappointed with that. But then we'll go and win next week or against Spurs. And then we'll go and win against Norwich and and the conversation changes again. Um, That's just how I just believe that a lot of football fans are very fickle and will change their opinion because we're winning or losing. Preach or not it, Joe. As well. Preach yeah. it, Joe. There you go. Yeah, that's uh... that's my say on it. If you agree with it or not, fine, whatever. If 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 you went to the Goldstone, if you went to Gillingham, what you know, fine. I respect that. I respect you so much because you are a part of why this football club is where it is today. I respect you. Um, 
I didn't go to Gillingham. I wasn't born. I didn't go to the Goldstone. I wasn't born. I didn't, How go, selfish. To, I, I didn't selfish. go to the with Dean because my mum couldn't afford it. Do you know what I mean? Um, so you are you even a real fan, Joe? I know, I know. Um, but that that's that's my piece on it. Um, and it's... what's the conversation change when things yeah, get better? Just to echo something that Joe said, right? I mean, I put a thing out about this the other day, how easy it is for everyone to jump on us, ju- jump onto the Brighton squad when we're going through a rough patch, right? Um, but why don't we just get behind the team and really push them? And, you know, imagine how, how much better that's going to make everybody feel if we're all positive like yeah that was shit that was a really shit game but let's go on to the next game and just just go for it just you know where's that what happened to that I see so much like so much negativity all the time about about Brighton and and people are entitled to those opinions absolutely right but what what happened to your passion what happened to your fire for your for your club you know I I don't see that anymore man and uh, it's just frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And I think it does come from a culture of instant gratification. I want to win now. I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait for Tony Bloom's plan. I want it now. I do think, you know, I don't get me wrong. I think my two favourite seasons as a Brighton fan were... Tom, 20- just to say, I am 100% clipping that and just putting that with no context on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I I do. It, for me, the, my two favourite seasons as a Brighton supporter were the 2010-11 uh, promotion season under Goss Poyet because we played teams off the park every week. And it was the last season of the With Dean. And With Dean, no matter how ramshackled it was, no matter how you know cold and wet you got, it still holds a very special place in my heart. And then, of course, the promotion season to the Premier League being my second. I, as you say, Joe, I get the idea of you know wanting to go back to days where we could realistically win every week, and I, I get that. I do. I really get it. But as you say, as a football fan, why do you? Why wouldn't you not want your club competing at the very highest level um, that it possibly can? Um, it, yeah, you've just got to be patient. Tony Bloom, he knows what he's doing. Even though sometimes we might not, you know, we might question it, which is okay. It's okay to question. It's okay to to have an opinion it's okay to have a moan which is obviously what we do at this podcast but as I say I like to think that we're all quite level-headed people we've seen darker days than this and we will see brighter days than this. Aaron um I know you said at the start of the podcast you you didn't want to talk about this part yeah but so tell me to bugger off if if you want me to but I'm really I am really really interested to hear your side of it I'm, I'm not doing it to like get no 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 um, um, you angry or anything. I just really want to hear your side. I think it's more the fact is it's it's echoing what you guys have said. Really, is like why is this talk happening? It's like just why. I, I just don't get it. This is what pisses me off with some of our fan base is they expect things they expect things to be brilliant all the time and you know. Oh, we're in the Premier League. Yeah, we should batter teams like Liverpool. You know, we've been here for five years. You know, we we deserve instant success. We should win trophies. We should be in the Champions League, go on a European tour. That takes time. It takes time to build. Why would you... Like, don't get me wrong. If I had a choice of playing in the Premier League for one season or then, and, but then going down or playing in the Championship and then going up, I'll pick the Championship. Because it's that it's that thrill ride of promotion. It's the, you know, I remember coming out of Fulham on New Year's Day, the year we got promoted, 
and you know it was uh you know we're on our way singing constantly in the concourse it was like you know a moment in time that you know i never thought i would see and i've seen it now and you know i want to stay in the premier league but you know it's a it's a very very fine line between fans wanting instant success and then fans realizing that it takes time you need to build foundations you know you can't have everything we're not a man city we can't buy our way into things we're not a liverpool we can't you know buy trophies get world-class players in it's not going to happen if you're going to go that piss off up piss off and be one of those glory supporters because that's not what the club's about i was like like you said everyone's entitled to their opinion it just it just annoys me because I've seen some shit. Like I have seen some real, real bad players in a Brighton shirt, and I've seen some really bad performances when you know we've been getting taken apart by teams. Right, like, when we played Pascal Gross at right back, I've, I'd rather have Pascal Gross at right back than Andrew Wing or Colin Hawkins playing at the back. Or Andrew you know, Wing was awesome. What are you talking about? I mean, no, easy now, easy now. Awesome, awesome is definitely not a word I would use, but it, it's just people need to think and put things in perspective. It's not, it's just not instant anymore. There's no, there's no such thing as instant success unless you pump money, billions, billions into the club. Newcastle, for example, that's prime example. They've pumped a hundred million pounds in January. They're unbeaten in seven games. And it's not, that, oh, it? It, it, it's not because, oh, you know, Eddie Howe's coming, his work miracles. It's because he's, he's had money and just chucked it and just chucked it in the window and see what's stuck on the wall. I would rather, I'm going to put it out there. I would rather play in League Two than accept blood money. Just put it out there. Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't personally because, you know, that's just, that's just depends me. how bloody the money is. Um, really bloody oh my god but you know the, the 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 owner that we have at this football club people need to be grateful for that every single day um, oh no yeah completely yeah completely agree yeah. well me, me and the old man were saying on the way back um you know people take risks on owners all the time you know you you also have to remember tony bloom got a majority with money by gambling <laughs> You know, it, it's not, it, you know, it's not like he's, you know, stolen or murdered people to get it or anything like that. It's not like he's, you know, Saudi oil merchants who just, you know, steal from the poor and give to the rich. It, it's, it's, you know, he's, he's got not lucky, but he has in a certain degree. He's, he's fantastic at poker, clearly. He's, he's a very savvy businessman, clearly. And I think if you're, if I'd rather have Tony. If Tony Bloom sold up, and we got an owner in, I don't know if you guys remember someone like a, a like a Ken Bates at Chelsea, where you know he's just there solely because you know it's just money. That's not fun. You know, at least Bloom's a Brighton fan through and through. He loves the club. If we had a an owner like Roman Abramovich, you know, not him personally, um, but someone with his amount of money, you know, you know, support Ukraine, you know, shit they're going through is awful. You know, then fair enough, you know, because he's, he's progressing the club. 
You know, he he wants the club to do better, and he we need money to do that. And yeah, just got just got to wait and see. I think that's the thing what annoys me the most about the whole sort of situation, where fans, you know, we had Archer and Bolotti, they almost fucking killed the club. You know, I won't say their name lightly. You know, I hate them with a passion, and I was probably maybe three or four. I didn't really have much to do with with uh, with Brighton. Obviously, I was only young. But, you know, to know that my club could have died before I even got to know, you know, how much I love this club is, is scary. But that, that's for me, is the reason why I will not. That's why I didn't want to comment on any of this, because it's just, it angers me to a point where I just can't be bothered with it anymore. And it gives the idiots like who, who are saying these things the time of day. And I just don't think it's right. Because they're in their own little world. They're probably only 16, 17, probably not even watched, you know, you know, they probably watched the Wifting years ago. Oh, look at that athletics track. Where, where to me, the Wifting's more like home than the Amex. The Wifting, for me, will always be home. Like, without a shadow of doubt, it is it is my spiritual home. Like, when we have the chance to... When I, I have the chance to play there soon, we're playing old Vardinians, or AFC Vardinians, and that's going to be surreal for me. You know, I'll, I'll be sort of stood in the middle centre circle, looking around, thinking like, Jesus, like this is the first I've been on the pitch and meant to be on the pitch. Like, you know, it's going to be so surreal. Like walking around, it's just going to be mad. Like for me, it's going to be incredible. But yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my two pence. That's why I didn't really want to go into it because I just waffle on about pure nonsense and well, well, well said, Aaron. Well said. You certainly haven't waffled, and it's you know it, it's amazing to to have your perspective on that. You, you and Tom, because you know me and Curtis weren't at the with Dean. We weren't at Gilling no, you two weren't at Gillingham or, or the Goldstone anyway, because you're you're not old enough. Um what are you talking but... about? I was born at the Goldstone ground. That's how I know I'm a true <laughs> Albion fan. Um yeah it's it's so good to get your perspective Aaron. Like never ever think that you're you know talking out of place or saying things or waffling because it's it's just talking from pure passion and that's what this podcast is all about is to get those opinions out there. Yeah, our history is very important to who we are as a club, the things we've been through, but we can't let that history hold us back. No, I, I completely, I completely agree. I completely agree. I don't. As, sorry, Tom. No, as I say, it should serve as an inspiration of what we could achieve. And I, I don't know about you, Aaron, but I still get those moments when I'm at the Amex now, and I remember back to those days at the Wib Dean, losing to you know teams in League Two and sitting near the bottom and thinking. Why do I do this to myself? And I come to the Amex and I see us playing the Premier League, and it just—it's just completely different. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: that journey is very, very special. Very it's special. Like, Tom, if if you weren't sat next to me when we were at Villa, I probably would have cried. I'm not even going to lie. Like when I came out, I'm, and I like I knew you were about to film me and stuff because we were doing that bit, and I was immediately as soon as I stepped out there, looked out, it punched me in the gut. I was like, this is. This is unlike anything I've ever experienced, you know. Yeah. And I, I, I just felt so much emotion. I was like, I'm here, you know. We're like, it's, it's nuts. Like we've been at the Amex for quite a while, obviously now, but it just, it, it just, it was crazy, crazy. You know? Yeah. And for me, like that, that first season, uh, or the first time I went to the Amex, I was, I can't remember how old it was, fifteen, I think. Um, and um, it was the second home game, I think, uh, Blackpool when we drew two all. 
um, in that first season. And um, my dad had told me, because so, he was the only person like really close to me that had been to um, the with Dean, been to Goldstone. So he told me all these stories about the club and what he'd seen and all, all these awful moments. And to be sharing that moment with him, to be walking into the Amex for the first time. And uh, I remember touching the concrete on, on the outside, uh, much like I told you to do, Curtis, when you first got there. And I, I, I sat in the East Stand, walked out into the East Stand, um, saw the West Stand in front of me, and it's just unbelievable. And, you know, I, I hadn't even been to the Withdean. Um, so I, I, I can't imagine how, how that would have felt. Um, you know, for for somebody that had experienced that, yeah, my dad, he's been Brighton supporter most his entire life, Goldstone, Gillingham, with Dean, everything, and he texts me today saying he still gets chills every time they play that pre-match montage, and he goes into Sussex by the Sea. Um, never underestimate how important this club is to people, and as I say, um, to bring it back full circle, no. Going backwards is not the way to go forwards. But that brings us quite nicely to the end of our episode. Thank you to Joe, Curtis and to Aaron for joining us today. We hope to come to you in the midweeks with a slightly more upbeat and more positive um, uh, podcast after the Spurs game. So just before we sign off, boys, can I get your score predictions for Spurs? Joe, I'll come to you first, mate. Yes, um, let's have a think. Um, I probably should have thought about this uh, and had an instant answer for you, Thomas, but I don't. Um, let's go for a two-all draw. We haven't scored for four hundred minutes, but I'm going. I'm going to say that we're going to score two goals. So, there you go. I love it. That's optimism, uh, Curtis. Do you share Joe's optimism? Uh, I do, but. I'm going to go for a win because I think if we man if I manifest it, it has to happen at some point, right? So I'm going to say a 2-1 victory for Brighton. I love it, boys. I love the fact that after not scoring a goal for 450 minutes, you've both gone for two goals apiece. Uh, Aaron, we're just talking score predictions, mate. Um, for the Tottenham game, before we sign off, uh, what do you think the score will be? <laughs> Uh, Here's Aaron about to bring us back down to earth now. Well, do you think you're going to? Do you think we're actually going to score two? Did I just overhear that before I came rejoining? <laughs> uh, trying to be positive, Aaron. Trying to be positive. Honey, uh, let's go two 0 Spurs. To be fair, our next, I think goal, that... our next goal will come against Norwich. Mm. And to be, I, I will still expect us to concede two against Norwich. So that's good stuff. <laughs> I think, to be fair, that is probably the most in-form thing. I think, you know, the form table doesn't lie, but we've got to start scoring somewhere. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 victory. I've gone for two goals as well. I reckon it'll go to the wire, 1-1, and then Evan Ferguson will come on and he'll score an absolute peach of a goal. So, uh, as you say, Curtis, let's manifest. This. We have to tr just, we have to just try and be positive because if we don't, then what else do we have? You know, <laughs> nothing. We have nothing. We have nothing. So once again, guys, thank you for joining Joe, Aaron and Curtis and myself on this week's episode. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe for more if you haven't already. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care.
Adios. Bye.